Okay. Well, hey, folks. Jeff Salzman here, and welcome to The Daily Evolver. It's Wednesday, March 23rd, 2022. A special welcome to those of you who are joining me live via the Integral Life Sites, YouTube, etc., or the Developmental Politics Facebook group. It's good to feel you live. And I encourage you to check out the Institute for Cultural Evolution, which manages the Developmental Politics Facebook group, and also Integral Life as two dreamly fruitful portals to the developmental and evolutionary view. And as always, you can find all my stuff at thedailyevolver.com. All right, so today I wanted to take a look at a subject that is very vexing to many people and is indeed tailor-made for a developmental analysis. And that is the subject of sex and gender, which is evolving at a head-spinning rate and has, you know, everybody's attention. I mean, it's getting big headlines throughout the United States for sure. Uh, there's the don't say gay bill in Florida, which says that you can't teach gender studies to kids younger than third grade and it has to be age appropriate after that. We have Leah Thomas, the college swimmer who is beating the women. He was a man at one point, she's a woman now. Just yesterday in the New York Times article on when kids dispute their gender. There's another one I had told, I don't have it here, but it's about a lesbian author who was canceled yesterday because she dared to um, criticize the transgender ideology, which we'll talk about here in a minute. It's a fruitful ideology, but it is, as is with every ideology, there are fanatics and then there's the great truth as well. So we're gonna look at both of those. Uh, this is also an issue that is happening, you know, around the world, certainly in the developed world, but also in the traditional world. I think of Putin, who uh, in his speech last week, talked about that he was decrying the national traitors, the traitors to Russia, the people who can't do without foie gras, oysters, or their so-called gender freedoms. And he got it right in a sense. He said, it's not that they live outside of Russia in the geographical sense, or it's not just that because he's talking about people who live on the Riviera and in Miami. But he says they live outside of Russia according to their thoughts, according to their slavish consciousness. Well, I think that's right. I'm not sure about slavish, but uh, it's according to their consciousness. And so that antipathy towards the new gender realization, if you will, is happening with traditional people all, all over the world, including the you know, 30% of the population in the US, which would be, you know, pretty hard traditionalists, many of whom have been, shall we say, predisposed to being friendly to Putin for that reason, and are, you know, confronting the fact that there's more to Putin than that. And, um, you know, so 
anyway, welcome to the world of cultural evolution and consciousness evolution. So again, these, this traditional view of a man is a man, a woman is a woman, a mom is a mom, a dad is a dad. That's another quote from Putin in a speech earlier. That is pitted up against this cutting edge of postmodern consciousness, which believes that everybody needs to be free from all cultural constructions of identity, sex, gender, free to be exactly who they are, to choose their own path and to flex and flow with it. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think that we that that is a trajectory that we're on. And as I mentioned, you know, every ideology can, not even ideology, but every new worldview comes online, uh, maybe evolutionarily necessary, but it comes online with fanatics, true believers, people who see just that truth and nothing else. And where this postmodern realization is really coalescing in our culture today is in academia, for sure. And all of the so-called soft sciences, sociology, education, psychology, human resources, journalism, the media, in other words, most of the institutional elite. And so as is typical of the various battles that we fight in this culture war, we have the traditionalists versus the postmodernist with you know, very much demonizing each other. And pinned in the middle are the modernists who's just trying to keep their heads down <laughs> and not let things get too crazy one way or the other. And, um, you know, I, I, I saw uh, the Supreme Court nominee, Ketenji Brown Jackson, yesterday. Uh, she was being grilled about this. And I see today she's getting blowback from both sides for saying that she couldn't define a woman because, quote, I'm not a biologist. And, of course, traditionalists, what do you mean you can't define a woman? Postmodernists, biology has nothing to do with it. Identity is um, uh, unhitched from biology. So there we have it. That's the culture war. And then, thank goodness, there's the integralists, or at least the aspiring integralists. And this is the stage that it is arising out of postmodernity that seeks to integrate the truths of all previous stages and who sees that evolution, that, that culture and consciousness are evolving and have since day one. So our job is to appreciate all the views and to help the whole system be as healthy as possible. And so when we look at the system, when we look at the history of humanity, that we see that regarding sex and gender, we have gone through enormous transformations. And we also see that the rate of consciousness evolution is accelerating and that we are in a transformation right now, it's permanent. The, the history doesn't end for evolution. Evolution just keeps going. And the transformation continues and that sexuality and gender will be understood and enacted 
as differently by our great-grandchildren as ours was to our great-grandparents. Let me just say that I, for one, exceeded my grandparents' expectations. <laughs> I think most of us did. So, <laughs> so to that end of creating this a bigger, wiser view, more inclusive, the truths of all, let's walk through the broad outlines of the evolution of sex and gender thus far in humanity. So, you know, we talked about traditionalism, modernism, postmodernism. There's a big category of human history, most of human history, 95% of it probably, that is in this bigger category of pre-traditional. This is the warrior stage, the empire stage, which was preceded by the tribal stage, which was preceded by the indigenous stage, indigenous pre-fire, tribal post-fire. And we see that particularly in the two earliest stages, the indigenous and the tribal, that in, in many ways it was the postmodern dream. <laughs> you know, identities were fluid. Uh, people really were who the best of who they could be because that's what the tribe needed. Um, there was, we weren't wasting energy uh, on um, imposing roles on people. So the people had multiple partners. They co-parented the kids. Female sexuality was fully online. Homosexuality was common. Young people were allowed free expression. Third sex and non-binary identities were accepted, even appreciated. Uh, lots of group sex, big orgies, bacchanalia, seasonal, you know, you get together with the other tribe, all kinds of stuff. It's a, it's a, it's a, a panoply of sexual practices. Again, the postmodern dream. And I think from an integral perspective, we see that a lot of that we like, most of that we like, all of that we like, perhaps, you know, fluidity, being who you are, uh, third sex, homosexuality, uh, female sexuality online. That sort of thing is the heritage of humanity. And if the trajectory that we've seen continues, it will be the future of humanity that uh, I think will, would shock us, but you know, that's how the world works. Now, of course, the other side of this, these earlier stages was that it's a brutal world, particularly against one's enemies. And from our perspective of being civilized, modern people, they were engaged in all sorts of nefarious activities of rape and sex slavery, sex trafficking, pedophilia. I mean, please, it's just shocking to our modern sensibilities just how children were used and abused sexually in history. This third stage in the pre-traditional is what we would call the warrior or empire culture. And this is based on conquest, both cultural and individual. You know, the ethos is might is right. And this is the beginning of the patriarchy. The patriarchy enabled the world to become more complex and evolution is not particular about suffering. 
So anyway, I, I, I'm reading about this and uh, every culture, of course, does it differently, but these are broad strokes that are transcultural. And uh, I'll, just to get particular, I'll read a couple excerpts from a book that I'm reading now called The Ottomans. It's a history of the Ottoman Empire who ruled the whole Eastern Mediterranean from you know, year 1000 up until World War I, really. Uh, Muslim world for the most part. And their take was that, and this is, I'll quote here, men believed women had an insatiable sexual appetite that they were unable to control. Based on the saying of Muhammad, men envisioned every part of a woman as being a private sexual part. They used this view to legitimize men's control over women, keeping them covered, veiled, and away from unrelated men. According to this view, if men did not segregate women, they would want to have sex with any man they ran across, whether he was willing or not. So this is that world we're now moving into early traditionalism where, um, you know, sex roles are, are getting ever more hardened. Now, interestingly enough, in this world, homosexuality was everywhere, uh, certainly in the Ottoman Empire, and I'll read a little bit here. It's not homosexuality as we would understand it today. It's not a love affair or a marriage or a pair bonding between adult men. It's the um, love between adult men and teenage boys and probably younger. It was younger. I mean, they, it's just the way it was. Men being the tops and the boys being the bottoms, so to speak. So here's what he writes in the Ottomans. In important ways, Sexuality in the Ottoman Empire and the rest of Renaissance Europe was comparable. It was a shared culture of man-boy love, which drew on ancient Greek and Roman precedent. This culture of man-boy love encompassed Europe in London, Florence, Venice, Rome, and Istanbul. Homosexual desire was seen as the domain, not of a numerical minority, but of all men, a building block of culture, especially in the military and schools. And it went all the way to the top of society. And he quotes a poem written by the great Sultan Mamhed II, and, you know, it, it shows that it wasn't just about power, these relationships between men and boys, but it was real love. And so this is, this is from a poem he wrote about a young male object of his affections. This is the Sultan Muhammad II. He says, I saw an angel, a sun face, or this world's moon, black hyacinth curls, smoky sighs of lovers, his beauty rules. His lips give life anew to those whom his glances kill. Pretty nice, huh? So anyway, so this is, the, so this is baked into the culture and you realize the power of 
social and culture, cultural constructs because most heterosexual men today, certainly in my generation, and most certainly in my father's generation, would not have been in any touch with that homosexual desire. So now we're getting arising into traditionalism in history. And this is further complexity, larger, more organized societies looking for social order, the laws of heaven, um, trying to civilize what it saw as wild hedonistic chaos, which is typical of the warrior stage. And this is where the sex roles really hardened. If the patriarchy emerged in the warrior stage, it is institutionalized here in the traditional stage. So we have lifelong monogamy, strong extended families, sex is officially for procreation, and you want a lot of that. Homosexuality is taboo. He writes that fatwas were posed in the 16th century, asking whether it was permissible for a beautiful boy to pray in the front row of a mosque, or whether he should be forbidden, for his prostrations would excite the men standing behind him. So you can see we're trying to civilize this homosexuality stuff away. And so that we move into these hardened sex roles beholden to God. And that is, you know, a lot of human history. A lot of us grew up in that world. I did. I mean, homosexuality was not mentioned. And my parents were fairly liberal. They, you know, we had, uh, we didn't have a Playboy magazine, but my uncles had the calendars in the garage. All the, uh, my uncles and aunts got together and got my grandfather, their father, a subscription to Playboy magazine, you know, so they weren't prudes, but homosexuality was never mentioned. You know, it just wasn't an option. And so then we move into a more modern stage of consciousness where we begin to move out of this conformity into the expression of one's individuality. And there's a lot that comes out of this. I mean, it's hard to overestimate. The equality of men and women, the sexual revolution, in, 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 in part at least, is a modern development. Homosexuality is no longer, it's criminalized in traditionalism. It's often criminalized with the penalty of death. Now, again, that's a man with a man uh, men with boy, there's still the subculture in Afghanistan where that is, you know, there was a PBS special about that. Um, so, you know, big mixed up world here, but we could see the big movements of history. And so we break out of the repression. Uh, homosexuality becomes don't ask, don't tell. You know, and I remember that phase of my life where, you know, I moved away from my hometown in the Steel Valley of Western Pennsylvania because there wasn't an option for being gay. And if there hadn't been an option moving away, I probably would have just stayed and dealt with it as my progen or my ancestors did. But there was an option. In the 70s, you could move to a liberal enclave and be out. And I did. And I moved to Boulder and I never looked back. So then we have the modern um, conceptions of gender and sex moving into the postmodern. And, you know, I'll be a little indelicate here, 
Part of what happened in the modern stage is that oral sex became acceptable in heterosexual world. Allergies to homosexuality soften when you realize they're just doing the same thing we're doing. And that continues when we move into post-modernity where anal sex becomes more popular. When you realize that you can do these things and it's fun and it works, you realize that, wait a second, this body isn't as hardwired as I thought. And I have more capacity than I thought. And then, you know, we, this postmodern opening of sensitivity to allow all of the people who were marginalized, all the people who were the sinners, all the people who were the, 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 the oddballs, um, people who were not attractive by conventional standards. The sensitivity grows that it's just not acceptable for this to be true anymore. And, and I get that, you know, I, I think of again, my story that, you know, I emerged in puberty attracted to boys, not girls. And of course it being a binary world, the only way I could see that I could have sex with boys, which is what I dearly wanted to do was if I was a girl. And so I sort of dreamed about it. It wasn't an option, so I didn't spend a lot of time on it. But anytime I expressed myself in a feminine way at this point, when I was, you know, a young teenager, teenager, I got terrible blowback from the culture at large. And I realized what I had to do to get by. And of course, later on, I figured I could leave and did, and that was fine. But there were people who weren't able to hide it like I was. And I, my heart breaks for them, you know. They were um, bullied, they were made fun of, they were beat up, they were often shut down. Uh, I can think of a couple in particular that I just wonder now what they were going through. I was able to pass, but several weren't. And so I'm all in on bringing all, everybody in, all the oddballs, everybody who, uh, you know, just allow them to be who they are. And so this is the new ideology, you know, and it is unfortunately still arising in the world of, of the old binary. So if I don't feel like I'm a girl in the way I'm supposed to be for a young woman uh, or a boy in the way I'm supposed to be, then maybe I'm the wrong sex. And so the option is to become the other sex instead of to just become who you are. I think that we're moving through a phase right now which we'll look back on. And I think really culture is, 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 is seeing this pretty quickly regarding children and teenagers you know i don't want to say you can't do body modification uh, or hormones or puberty blockers uh, i think in some cases that's maybe a good idea but 
it's going to be questioned a lot more in the future than it has been. There's a lot of stories of people who are detransitioning. And you see it on Twitter and Reddit and probably Facebook. I don't do Facebook. But, um, you know, just a lot of arguments between people who are pro-trans, who are, so there's the TERFs. These are the, this is the trans exclusionary radical feminists. These are the old school feminists who want a, uh, a container where biological women can be, you know, protected, if you will, or at least have their space excluding men. And they don't want to let people, men who identify as women into that space. This is JK Rowling and lots of people. So they're demonized by the left. We have the two cutes versus the true scums. Uh, and this is, these are all in on transgender, but one says you don't have to have gender dysphoria. That is, you don't have to be freaked out by your body in order to be trans. And the other side says you do, you have to have that. And again, the, the binaries are in play in a way that I think will emerge out of. And I, I, I wanna play just a quick clip from a YouTube that I saw and appreciated. And this is a young woman named Ben. <laughs> and she tells her story, let me just, sorry, of coming out and how complex it is. I mean, again, ever more complex this world. And I see young people and I think, boy, I'm glad I didn't have to deal with that. Just as my parents, I remember them saying, you kids, uh, you know, what a world you have. And it was a lot easier when we were a kid. Well, welcome to evolution. And the complexification of culture proceeds apace. And here's the testimony from a young, she's now back to a woman, but this is a testimony of Ben. And I think it just covers a lot of territory. So I'm gonna play it. So up to that point, like I said, I thought of myself as a gay trans man. So I wanted to see myself as a male with another male. Then as soon as I realized I was attracted to women, then in my mind, like I was identifying as a male. So I saw myself as a male with a female. And like I said, when I was like 13, 14 reading, like romance novels that are heterosexual creeps me out. I didn't want to be in that heterosexual relationship. Like, I don't know, I felt very unhappy with that. Um, which was confusing to me because if I was really trans and if I had dysphoria and this is how you're supposed to cure dysphoria, shouldn't it matter? Like people always say gender and sexuality are not related. So if my gender is male, shouldn't I be able to experience my sexuality regardless of my gender? Because I wanted to be, I realized after a few months, like I wanted to be with a woman as a woman. I didn't want to be with a woman as a man. So then I was like, well, that's a lesbian. And it was like, ding, ding, ding. Hmm. I understood. So, yeah. So, um, you know, the social media and I'm sure young people's groups and relationships are just full of stories like this. And I think it is, uh, again, it's always fraught, but fruitful to allow young people to just play with their identity and let it all be okay. I think more and more that is what's happening. 
The medical and surgical options, I think, are more of a moment in time. I'm not sure that there aren't people for whom that is the best way to go. I'm happy to let people figure it out and fight it out for themselves. But uh, letting people, people be who they are in their own healthy bodies, I think, is the way that we will move forward. Um, and I think of myself again, you know, we're all a product of our time. I was too. I wanted to be a girl. If there had been an option, I would have so wanted to do it. I know I would have. And um, if I had had supportive parents and lived in a, you know, modern, postmodern culture, I might have gone down that track. And maybe it would have been a good thing. We, we don't know that. We can't know that. You know, I mean, I was in the generation that barely got to be gay. You know, and I did, you know, I turned into a perfectly well-adjusted gay man with three wonderful long-term relationships, each of which I cherish. I'm perfectly happy with it. Um, and I, I realized my grandparents could not have conceived of my life as I've led it. But would I have been a woman if I'd been allowed? Would I have been be a happier person if I had? More fulfilled, more of myself? I don't know. But our grandchildren will know more. And, um, you know, again, welcome to human evolution. Any comments or questions, uh, you can always write to me at jeff at dailyevolver.com. Thanks again to Integral Life and the Institute for Cultural Evolution for co-sponsoring and um, simulcasting. And we will see you again next week. Jeff Salzman signing off.